When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I would not describe the film by and large as a comedy. It's quite, you know, there's lots of death, drugs and permed hair. You know, it's serious stuff. Yeah, it's quite hard to categorise. You couldn't just, you know, put it in a box. It's, you know, it's, it's got a bit of humour. It's very dark. It's almost like cut like a thriller at times uh, or like a certainly a very fast paced crime action. Welcome one, welcome all. This is episode 53. You're listening to Flicks Watcher Podcast. It's Helen. And it's Kobe here. And today we are joined by Adam. Hello. And Chris. Hello. And we will be talking about the film City of God. I hope you enjoy the show, guys. Remember, please visit us online at flixwatcher.tv. Come to our Twitter account at flixwatcherpod. And please go to iTunes, subscribe and review. All films featured in the podcast were available to stream on Netflix UK at the time of recording. And please be aware there will be spoilers and some language that may offend. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Today we are joined by Chris and Adam. If you'd like to say hello and tell us about your podcasts that you do and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure. So uh, my name is Adam Woodward. I'm the digital editor of Little White Lies magazine. Uh, and we also do a podcast called Truth and Movies, which I sometimes am on. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm host of a podcast called Easy Riders Raging Podcast which is a podcast about uh, classic films. We spent the last year just talking exclusively on 1960s films. So lots of different films of all shape, shapes and sizes. So tell us a bit more about because I've been obviously listening to your show before we come in here. Mm-hmm. If the 60s is actually quite fr- uh, fruitful. There's quite a lot of decent variety of films there, starting with like, The Jungle Book and Mary Poppins. Oh, yeah, we've got Disney films. We've got Bond. Yeah. We've got early horror. We've got uh, French New Wave. Uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, mm. Psycho. There's many more films than you'd actually think, actually. Yeah. yeah. We've just wrapped up our year on 60s films and we're just prepping a year on 70s films. Okay. So, uh, yeah, just the next the next stage on. If I'm, but, yeah, all classic films, just one film at a time. Yeah, fantastic. Have you got any favourite 60s films that spring to mind, Adam? I don't know why this just sprang to mind, but I was thinking of Bonnie and Clyde and, and that kind of kicking off the mm, new, new American kind of wave of cinema. The yeah, yeah, very key film. Uh, is, is that something you've reviewed in yours? We have done that one, yes. Yeah. Mm. And how did it go down? It still holds up. It's still still <laughs> a great watch, yeah, yeah. It's quite interesting because some of those big, uh, the bigger films in the 60s, because they you just had to shoot them properly, mm. they still tend to hold up quite well, don't they? Or very well. Yeah. A lot of dubbing, though. We found lots of people are dubbed, especially if there's songs. Everyone's dubbed. Mm. They dub the singing. They dub the dialogue. I'm pretty sure they dub the dancing, but you know, it's hard to tell. 
Do you think that's just a bit of a hangover from the way mm. Hollywood was the machine and the and the whole filmmaking? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Did you have a favourite? Was there a favourite, or I suppose there's quite a lot to pick from? Top three from the sixties. I really enjoyed watching West Side Story because I'd never seen it before. Mm. So I guess the podcast was a mixture of mixture of rewatching films we watched before that we liked and trying to see some uh, classics we we not seen. So. Watching West Side Story or watching uh, Seven Up, the British documentary, was, yeah. they were some of the highlights just because they were films I'd always meant to watch that I was getting watched and I was, oh, yeah, really appreciating. Awesome. Well, uh, the Bonnie and Clyde reference you talked about kind of ties in with crime in a way, which links just the City of God. This is a tenuous segue. It but, is. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Chris, you chose City of God. Mm. Um, can you tell us why you chose it and give us a, a brief synopsis? Well, due to my podcast being about classic films, I deliberately tried to pick a modern film. Uh, it did strike me later that the film was 15 years old. Yeah, it's not so modern. Yeah, but, but in my mind, that's recent because I'm nearing middle age, I guess. That. So <laughs> especially if you, if you saw my music chase, music tastes, they would back that up. Uh, modern is circa 2002. Um, but yeah, it's a crime film set in uh, the slums of Rio in the late 60s, early 70s. It's about a photographer called Rocket who's growing up amid, amidst uh, a world of crime. And yeah, it was, and it was a film I really loved when it came out, which several times at the cinema, bought the DVD. But it was a film I'd kind of forgotten about, if I'm honest. I hadn't watched it in about a decade, so I kind of wanted to see if it would see if it had held up. And I do remember recommending this film to a lot of people, and I kind of like the idea that maybe somebody would listen to this who hadn't seen it mm. and check it out. Yeah, well, fair enough. Mm. Um, what are your thoughts, Adam? Yes, I was actually just going to ask you why had you not picked a classic film from the 60s? But then I was, as a sort of follow-up question almost, would you consider this to be a, a classic modern film? I think it's too recent to be classic, I think. Uh, well, potentially. So what, in your copious notes there, can you remember? Well, I was going to say, can you remember, but when did it come out? 2002. 2002. It, it, I think I saw this film first time in college, when I was in college. Yeah, yeah it's and the it, same. It was at a point where... Uh, the world cinema that I had been watching up to that point was a lot of the sort of French new wave stuff, mm -hmm. um, proper like Canon, you know, and, and this was as a modern piece of world cinema was quite a kind of new thing for me. And uh, yeah, I remember being really blown away by it. it it's got this energy and this, this uh, vibrancy to it in, in just the editing and the cinematography, especially. And it was a real uh, eye opener to a world I just didn't know anything about. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I saw it. I saw it at the Aberystwyth Art Centre Cinema. When it came out. <laughs> Is that where you went to university? It was, yes. Yeah. Um, I used to. If you ushered, it was a very small cinema. You used to get to go and see the films for free. So uh, I used to do that quite a lot. Um, again, I saw it then, and probably saw it on DVD probably about five years after that, but hadn't revisited it again since. And um, un unusually, we were posed three films. Um, but this was the one that came out and originally I was a bit like, oh, do I want to see it again? But I'm glad that I did revisit it yeah. because, um, yeah, it's just dazzling, I think, is what I thought at the time and still think it's a remarkable piece of filmmaking that crosses quite a few sort of genres because it is sort of loosely based on real events as well, which yeah. mm -hmm. you kind of forget about that when you're watching a little bit. And uh, both yourself and Adam have talked about how beautiful this looks. And um, 
the cinematographer at the moment right now as we're recording is the Camera Image Festival, which is the festival for, that celebrates cinematography in Poland. And the cinematographer behind this, Cesar Szalony, um, won the best cinematographer for the City of God uh, for that festival in 2002. And I, I, it's one of the things I didn't really appreciate how well films are made um, when I when I was kind of watching this. And like yourself, Adam, it was my foreign film had been kind of I'm going to say it, basically boring, <laughs> stuffy, a bit boring and limited. Stuffy. No, but I, well, tends to have like oh, there might be some nudity in this, um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and things like Len, which a bit ha- French, a bit French. It tends to be French, yeah, yeah. and things like Len. Um, so this came on board and was like, oh, actually, other films in different languages are fucking awesome as well, and. It's one of one of the main tenets of me saying to people, go and see film, go and see foreign films. This and Amelie are the two kind of films I, hand, I hold up as like, go and see, watch this because it's amazing. And don't ignore, don't so many people still don't like watching films because of subtitles, and it really kind of pisses me off. I think it's interesting you you bring up Amelie because that that's a film which adopts this really heightened visual style. Mm. And City of God does something similar. I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually describe it as a beautiful film, but I think it's very, it's very brash, but very striking as well. And I, I just love the way it kind of contrasts that with the reality of the story and then, and the, you know, the socio-economic background. And it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, a subject which could be treated and handled in a, in a, in a lot of different ways. Mm. And I think the way he does it with a lot of sincerity and uh, affection for the characters as well. Yeah. Well, let's talk a bit, bit about the characters because. I mean, who who doesn't love Rocket? I mean, <laughs> how can you not like Rocket? To be fair, I think he is a slightly passive hero. Like I say, the film's chiefly about him, but it's really about the the wide variety of residents in the area, mm. or if not the area itself. And I enjoyed rewatch. We're, we're getting back onto. We'll get back later to what we thought of the film, but I did kind of want him to be a bit more involved. Possibly, it's wrong to say. I slightly wanted him to be in a bit more danger. Like at the end, he goes back in, but I felt like he needed to be full. I don't, I don't know. I want things to be a bit more dangerous. I don't know why. But we see quite clearly and many times the uh, the downsides of being involved in the danger. Mm. There's, there's those people that held guns. Um, a lot of them didn't make it to the end of the film. I mean, no? he, he's sort of there as the observer. He is the yeah. photographer there. So he's kind of always on the kind of periphery. He, he's our guide into the world. Yeah. Um, so he's the he's our main protagonist in this, but he, and he's surrounded by... A lot of bad people. Not jobs. Yeah. But a lot of those kind of people will grab our attention slightly more because they're bigger characters. Mm. So possibly the performances that struck me the most weren't necessarily him. Not that he wasn't solid in the role and it wasn't a well-written character. Just kind of, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's lots of stories, lots of characters. And he's he's the link between them. Mm-hmm. But some of them took my attention a bit more, perhaps. So give me, uh, give us... Someone who took your attention more than, than Rocket. Well, the person that got my attention the most, there's a little kid that's crying. Do you remember the bit? There's a bit where a kid is possibly about to get shot or not. Oh, yeah. It was like an Oscar-winning performance. Like, I really thought that kid might have gotten shot because he was so blooming believable. Do you know the bit? It was just like a proper, like, intense... I don't know the kid's name, the actor's yeah, it's, it's a real knife-edge moment, that, isn't yeah. it? Because you just don't know. Like, how did they get that performance well, out of Well, I, I know because I was doing some research. We could say you were there. And, <laughs> and basically the, the acting coach just told the, the kid to think of sort of like their worst pain or their worst fear and transfer that 
into their foot and they got that kind of performance oh, wow. so this is a hell of a performance so this is after the kid got shot you mean the whole scene the whole yeah. scene the leading up to afterwards the whole time i was completely like engaged and just, just such a performance because it might be worth setting up that scene because it's one of the harder films harder sections of the film to rewatch. and in the city of god there's a few different levels in there um rocket is probably is a middling level and everyone likes him yeah at the top you have the gangs who are more well established by field they're you know, 25 is their upper ceiling of age. And at the bottom, if that. yeah, if that, and underneath them, they're, they're the, the runts, they're the, runts the upstart who feel they... They're about seven or eight. And yeah. Carrying yeah. like carrying a Terrifying. Piece, but menacing. No, oh, terrifying, yeah, yeah. yeah. And one day the the gang of young adults kind of gets pissed off with the runts and says, right, we're going to sort mm. you guys out because you're mm. pissing us off. And this is when the one of the runts gets shot. Yeah, they boy, they basically get these two kids and they say, well, we're gonna you're going to be shot. Do you want to be shot in the hand or the foot? Mm. And these kids are like five and they're getting given this Sophie's choice. Um, but it's such a compelling scene. It's, you know, properly heartbreaking scene. Yeah, I wonder how, how true it is to life as well. Because mm. you, you, I think you take a lot of it at face value, or at least I certainly did first time I saw the film. And re-watching it, I was like, you know, I wonder how much license he's taken here with, with, you know, stories he's heard from the streets and from some of the characters and cast members even. Um, I know it's based loosely on kind of true events. But yeah, several of the cast were from the from area, the, yeah. Yeah. so not particularly trained actors, and they were they were brought in on that. So none of the performances in it feel kind of fake or out of place. They all feel very authentic. Oh yeah, there's not there's not a performance off across the board really. Um, I completely bought into everyone in the characters and completely bought into the world. I'm not quite sure how many animals were killed during the making of the film. <laughs> I didn't stop to wait to the end of the credits to see, but I've got no doubt because there's animals wandering in that shot at all times. Well, the, the start scene, the chicken actually goes Didn't underneath the car. They must have lost so yeah. many chickens, definitely. Um, they ate oil though. So, the, um, so I've, I've actually been to Rio and I've been on a favela tour. Um, this was after the City of Gods. I didn't go to the City of Gods favela, but it felt like when I was there, but if you're if you're just if you're part if you know someone there and you're not part of the of the violence then you can be welcomed. Mm -hmm. But you can see people as they're walking around that clearly had guns on them mm. and some quite big guns, kind of badly hidden underneath their t-shirts. Just just average people, not police. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just, yeah, just to be people, clear, yeah. just not police. And so there is, I think there's there's that menacing undertone straight away that if you're involved, and this is why you can see like Rocket because he's I guess would be a civilian he was left alone by everyone else surrounding him. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, yeah, in fact, you know how to use a camera, take pictures of us and put it in a newspaper. You're, you're a good guy. We like you. And he's kind of not in any, any danger. Mm. How much did that trip meet your expectations or how kind of accurate was it to the way it's depicted in the film? Um, well, I didn't see any gunfire. Um, but just the good. general, the general, <laughs> yeah, that's always a plus, the general vibe of the place, I guess. The general vibe was, was awesome. Um, and you could see you could see how how people were struggling. Mm. I mean, this is set in the seventies. Um, when I went there, it was like it was just after this film came out. So people were in tiny tiny rooms and tiny houses, but at the same time had PlayStation threes and they had mobile phones and yeah. siphoning the power off the grid. You could tell them weren't paying for it and mm -hmm. all the kind of all these things were going on. It was super vibrant in there because you know the film is the, the violence and the poverty is there and yeah. there's no getting past that, but. It's also a film. There's an incredible 
as I say, energy to it. And there's mm. so much life in it. And, and they, you know, they have fun. There's like, they go to the disco and there's... Yeah. And they hang out at the beach. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Well, the, yeah, I'd love to have gone to one of those discos. There's Barney Funk discos, discos they're called. Mm. But certainly went to the beach and that's so much fun to hang out on any beach in Rio. Um, it's a super cool place to be. But like you mentioned the energy. You definitely feel an influence of... Well, two people in particular, you feel a lot of influence from Martin Scorsese, who's got that kind of energy in his films that kind of get you all the way through. And a lot of Tarantino as well, mm. uh, which I guess were two to the big draws, I guess, whether I was aware of them at the time, aware of them or not when this came out, but those were the films I've been watching in my teenage years. So when this came out, it was kind of like a, a an international version of that, I guess. You just sort of slotted in almost. Like. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, got that non-linear storytelling to it as well, where we sort of have flashbacks and flash forwards, which managed to cover what 20, nearly 30 years yeah. in, in a remarkably short time through fantastic editing and sort of storytelling particularly how you find out what happened to this the history of the apartment yeah done in oh, yeah. you no know, two minutes of about what, 15 years of of what's happened but doesn't that feel very tarantino-esque yeah Didn't you definitely get that kind of vibe uh, a bit of danny boyle in there as well i think it's a train spotting kind yeah, of thing yeah. or even you a hint of slumdog millionaire as well yeah um it's got a very vibrant Slumdog Millionaire mm. vibe to it as well. And I picked up more than a little bit of uh, Boogie Nights as well, that sort of 70s set crime thing with like a, a strand of comedy running through it, a sort of dark sense of humour yeah. that's on the on the cusp of the film. It does, yeah, there, there is There's a some science. very funny moments Absolutely. in it, which um, contrast with the extremely horrible moments, which when I was watching this reminded me of another film that we're quite big fans of that we reviewed, uh, Beast of No Nation. Sure. Which has the same kind of the way it's filmed and certain scenes are really kind of dreamy and, and magical and yet there's extreme horror violence and Real nastiness. Life. yeah true life violence but then versus... really sweet funny moments and kind of it's the same loss of childhood and similar sort of themes in this really isn't it yeah i, mean, I guess a runt of trying to grow up to get to a ceiling age of 25 and yeah, you know, they're getting shot when they're five years old. Like, like yeah, you, said, Chris, you imagine it? the ceiling is getting lower with each passing generation. You get, that's the impression I get. Mm. Um, yeah, I hate to think how young they get when they, you know, three-year-olds uh, with. It, it, it does make me think of the song "Kids with Guns" by Gorillaz. Yeah, Gorillaz. Yeah, exactly. again, because my True. musical it was two thousand two. One, like that, one yeah. of my favorite albums ever. Mm. Um, Adam, any any characters that stood out for yourself? Uh, I mean, no, I think we've named quite a few of them. I think some of them, to me, sort of do blur into. Not the background, but there, there's a certain like group of 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 them. Yeah, it's a bit of a rogues gallery is maybe the wrong term there, but yeah, there certainly some of the younger female characters stand out. Well, because there's not that many of them, and because there's not that many of them, and I think they play quite a, like an interest. If if you kind of view the film as as a bit of a coming of age story as mm. well, like they they play quite an, an important role. Certainly later on in the film, where we meet um, the characters and, and they're slightly older. I think um, when yeah when it first starts out. Um, I think I remember first seeing it, I just thought it was set in favela, so there'd be crime and stuff, but it did seem like this is Rocket trying to get off this girl and it'd be the story of a, a, tradi a traditional kind of coming of age and getting into relationship kind of vibe, um, which didn't happen. No. No. Don't go into it expecting a romantic comedy. No, yes. Sorry, guys. I mean, I wouldn't even, I mean, they, like we said, there's funny things in there, but I would not describe him by and large as a comedy. It's quite a, a serious, you know, and there's lots of, Death, drugs, and <laughs> permed hair. You know, it's serious stuff. Yeah, it's quite hard to categorise. You couldn't just 
you know put it in a box it's you know mm. it's it's got a bit of humor it's very dark it's almost like cut like a thriller at times uh, or like a certainly a very fast-paced crime action film yeah but and like it's romantic it, elements as well. but it's pace and it's style are probably it's uh it's chief attributes i think maybe you know it's a very stylish uh slickly told film mm. yeah any characters for you helen that uh stick out in your in your mind well knockout ned i didn't realize that was serge george she was george yeah, from oh, the life aquatic yeah, yeah. yeah. that's him because he d- he did the soundtrack for this film he did a soundtrack for this and for Life Aquatic. Yes, oh, yeah. the Life Aquatic soundtrack is dynamite. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's him, yeah. Yeah, he plays quite an influential part. He's introduced earlier on yeah. and uh, in the kind of like nice narrative style. They sort of say more of that later. And he kind of features quite heavily in sort of second half of the film or kind of the third act. Yeah. And, um, so Knockout yeah. Ned was one of the civilians who, who wasn't touched. Yeah, he eventually is led down the path of guns and violence and... Um, I guess you can probably guess how it ends up for him, but he becomes sort of a bit of a hero there as well. Yeah. But, but he has to compromise his values, I guess, is his arc. It's, yeah. Hmm. I think that's quite an important point, actually, because we to see how someone turns and, and goes into that kind of, um, into the gang side of things when he's been on the good side of things is actually quite an important story to have told in this. Mm. In this and obviously, yeah, like I said, it doesn't end well for him. Um, it doesn't end well for a lot of people, to be honest. No, no. that's what I'm saying. As soon as, soon as you hold a gun, <laughs> there is a repeated theme of people trying to get out of the area and it not necessarily going their way. Let's say <laughs> it's that, that's kind of a motif I think throughout the film is several people trying to flee and it not ending well in both ways. Some trying to do it the good way, yeah. and others the not so good way. And yeah, the easy way is often <laughs> the way they take, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, for you, any characters we're not talked about? Benny. Yeah, like oh, Benny was great. Benny. Benny. He's is... kind of the voice of good in in the the pairing of little Z, little dice. He's, he's like he's like the angel on his shoulder, and he's one of the good bad guys. Mm. And uh, yeah, my favorite TV show is is The Wire. The The Wire is yeah. a, a key comparison, I think, with this film. Yeah, and it's what what I love about The Wire is you have the good guys. You have the bad guys on the on the good side, and you have the on the reverse as well. And Benny is is a good bad guy, and everyone loves him. But you know he has a gun, and you know he, he'll he'll get the the priests to his leaving party as well as the hoods, as well as everyone who's dan- all the disco kids. And you can see that, and he's such a vibrant character. And but because he holds a gun, there's no way he can it can end well for him. But this. but like the wire, there aren't necessarily. I wouldn't say the necessity of there's good people and bad people. Everyone's mm. a shade of grey. Yeah. And I do think that's the case here as well, that everyone morally compromises at some level, some more than others. Like a little, little dice. Well, he's a little psychopath, isn't he, at the start? <laughs> but everyone's on the scale of the moral, on a scale of morality, I guess. He's this. the most insane one. He's the most. Yeah, he's the, he's the most like wild yeah. Of, the, of the bunch yeah but he's a great character though because he properly captures your attention every time he's on screen you're like what's he gonna do yeah. like yeah little... you're kind of on tentacles every time mm. he's on screen and that great montage which there's that montage of him getting older which is shown through him shooting people from like a low level yeah it definitely felt like the the trunk shots in tarantino films but it was a very stylishly done montage to see this guy grow up it was i mean i hadn't seen seen the same thing done exactly like that it was quite I think that's why the cinematography thing comes comes into play because there there are a lot of stylish elements 
like the transformation of the apartment in over 15 years, like you said, the story of yeah, him, this guy, character growing up pretty much from the same shots. Mm. A very going, low angle sort of. Going from like, yeah. yeah, looking up him. Gangster shot. It's, and how the stories are portrayed is like, this is the story of Knockout Ned in succinct vignettes and then it carries on with the rest of the story. So you're up to speed with Knockout Ned, you know his history, um, you know why he got to this point and you know what his his morals are going forward and those kind of little snippets are super cool in this, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's no it's no uh, accident that we've ended up talking so much about the cinematography and the cinematographer as well cause, yeah. and not having mentioned the director because I think he, he went on to direct a number of Fernando Morelli comparatively like quite bland films it's I mainly because we probably would have pronounced it wrong That's, exactly. that was yeah, the danger like, like I just did there yeah no I think that was, Fed that was Rowe, a good somebody no. Fernando Morelli's he did The Constant Gardener that was yeah. kind yeah, of yeah that was his, his next film his yeah. big Oscar film and then I think the last thing he saw uh, I saw of his was called 360 which was not particularly yeah. exciting do you think nowadays he would have been swept up into the Marvel universe Possibly, or I don't know. I think there's, you know, you you have people like Alfonso Cuarón doing doing things like Gravity and pushing that, and and uh, Inarutu is doing like yeah. really kind of interesting stuff. And yeah, it just seemed like, I guess, blindness is a bit more of a, a, a high concept. Oh, that was it. Oh, I remember that was. Yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of people slag off the film, but I loved it. I, I saw it when it came out, and then have have not really thought about it since. It's not. It's not a, re- today, it's not a repeat watch. Is it? No. Okay. It, well, just it was very heavy. I remember, but. I remember at the time thinking, wow, that was, that was something. What's blindness out the Fernando film? Yeah. Mm, about blindness. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's also a City of God 10 years later. Like thing, a TV show, the BB, right? BB, I think the BBC did something. And then there is a City of Men. Yeah, the TV, TV show. show which TV show. I don't right. think any either. Well, I don't think the TV series was really as successful. So did he make that uh, more recently? He went back to the world? or? Well, I, I think... Well, I think it was a film, or it may have just I think been they that did the BBC both. I think they revisited. Did, I think they did a, a TV series follow-up and a follow-up film. Yeah, I think they, they went, tried, tried, tried them both. You know, see what works. Yeah, but I haven't seen that. But I was sort of reading the bit on the on the BBC about it, so I thought they'd maybe made a documentary and they sort of went and met with some of the characters and saw how things had changed, or they sort of found out that they hadn't really changed that much. Cool. Well, I think it's a great time to head on to the scores and see what we really thought in black and white so these are our special scores yeah. so um, so I should say uh, Adam uh, the I'm not sure if you know this but the, the scores for with the scores are kind of inspired by the Little White Lies scoring system oh is that right yeah, have, yeah. so should I explain that or have you explained that already or well we'll get well, well, we're going to do a special since you're here we're going to okay. do a special um, we'll scoring round for the Little White Lies uh, in honour of yourself but so the kind of split level scoring system that goes into it is kind of like yeah. uh, came from you guys as a oh, as a cool. fan of the as, as a fan of the mag. Um, Helen, do you want to explain the? So recommendability. Uh, all these are out of five. So how likely are you to recommend this to someone? Or I sort of see it as your enjoy enjoyment level a little bit as well. And uh, we'll start with you, Chris, because it was your choice. I'm going to give this a solid four. Uh, I think it's a film that people should should give a watch. It's, Two hours, but it flies by, and I think it's worth worth people giving it some time and attention, especially if they haven't seen it. It's definitely one to one to watch. Adam, I'm just trying to think, like who I would recommend this film to. Uh, it's a film that was probably, as I say, I saw it in college, so it wasn't as much as it was recommended to me. But I'm not sure that there was anyone 
of my uh, among my peers at the time who I'd, who I would have recommended it to. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I just not that many of my friends were, I guess, into the types of films I was at that point. But were they think, watching like Waterboy? And stuff yeah. Like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was as well. But, yeah. You know. uh, so I think I think I'd go for like a three. Okay. A, a solid three. Yeah. I'd go a five. I think if you haven't seen this, what are you doing? Go and see it. Um, yeah, I'd recommend this to everyone. I guess you've got to be aware. Some people just do not like subtitles. Yeah. I know, but so you just I'd still say, I think you have to know your audience. Yeah. Well, I think people. I think the way people take to this score is quite interesting because I like to take into account who I would recommend it to. The way that Adam kind of does. Um, Helen, you prefer to say, "I love this so much, I'll tell everyone, yeah. even if they." I think it's great. Unlikely to listen to it. Um, so I tend to take into account... I'm the more generous marker, aren't I? Yeah, we, yeah, we found we out think. recently. Good cop, bad cop. Uh, yeah. And I tend to take into account who I'd recommend this to. And bearing that in mind, level of violence and the fact it's got subtitles, I'm going to give it 4.75 because <laughs> I want to recommend it to as many people as possible. My parents, I wouldn't recommend it to. And there's people who are hard... You know, just. I wouldn't won't. recommend it to children, obviously. Well, okay, but... I would fair, recommend it to people who. Well, I recommend to anyone over the certificate that it's rated of. Okay. <laughs> I think you could be under the certificate. Let's be honest. <laughs> but there's people who, not much. like you say, people who just steadfast don't like subtitles, and yeah. for that I couldn't be asked. But in spite of that, it, I think seven four point seven five is. It's very specific. Yeah. Repeat viewing score, Chris. How often? Because we've all seen this before, haven't we? No yeah. one's come fresh to it. Yeah, yeah. I saw it a couple of times at cinema. A few oh, times on DVD. Yeah, well, like I say, I was a film student when this came out right. and I liked crime films and I was wowed. I was generally wowed and I, I was at the time recommending it to everyone I came across. Um, but it's not an everyday film. It's not, I mean, it flies by, but it's not a kind of film you will watch that often. Like we said, I think we all seem to have seen it years ago and not seen it a lot since. Mm. I guess that's quite telling in the repeat view score. Um but it is a feast for the eyes. It is a film worth seeing. Just once every once every few years, dig it back out. So, how does that work out? Out of five, three, three. Adam. Yeah, I think this is the third time in total I've seen the film. Okay. Uh, and I don't think anything quite beats the first viewing of it. Uh, but watching it a third time now, I definitely appreciated the kind of craftsmanship behind it more. So I'm going to go four for this. Helen. Um, this is the third time I've maybe third or fourth and it had been the biggest gap was between the last viewing and this one and I think it deserves at least two watches mm-hmm. um, and I, I would watch it again and I think you do get a little bit of something different each time you watch it because once you've kind of been blown away with it the second time you can kind of concentrate a little bit more on other things that are going on so I'm going to go for a four. Cool. Yeah, I'm a four as well. I think I, I it's probably been like yourself. Uh, uh, it's been like a decade since I last saw it, and that's simply the fact that I've not had a DVD player in my <laughs> in my residence for that time. So it's great. This is ex- exactly it's why great. I'm, it's on Netflix. It's great. It's on Netflix. Mm. Um, I will watch it again, and I've watched it at least eight times, maybe towards ten times. This is I, I loved it when it yeah, first that's, came that's, out. That's, that's, that's you know. For 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 in the in the modern age, that's a lot. Yeah, you know. Now, if you feel see a film twice, normally that means you love it. But this is this is the problem of like the Netflix model and it's the disposability of of film so much. I will say that Netflix is certainly in the UK their world cinema offering is quite poor. I right. think 
and and actually this is it kind of ticks quite a few boxes for them I think because it's entertaining and violent and like Tarantino-esque mm-hmm. and actually also it gives you a bit of an education into a world and a kind of mode of filmmaking as well like yeah. there's, I think it's like this or maybe Battle Royale and there's there's not really much on there but, uh, Is Battle Royale but, still on there? Uh, maybe not now but yeah. it was for a while You might have been killed off Boom yeah. Sorry <laughs> So four for re- repeat viewing uh, Small screen score we've talked a bit about the cinematography here and this kind of relates to how much you feel you may have missed out from not watching in a cinema or you think it's better is it suited well to a Netflix platform i.e. TV size and this is the question the that seems to cause the most confusion so yeah. <laughs> I mean interpret it as as you will I mean I did well, I did think about this question actually that almost in some ways this question is weighed against films that look good that you're almost rewarded for not having that great a visual but this start. is well you know we're talking about films on Netflix you see so that's how it that's that is that is that's the case. and also if you're if you've got a big TV and a big fancy sound system, you've probably got a better screen than some of some of the some cinemas of, out there. Yeah, Leicester Square's got some pitiful screens. <laughs> but one one thing I'll say is subtitles are no friend of the phone watch. Because I know you've mentioned sometimes you'll say, oh, about a smaller TV or a phone. If you're watching a subtitled film on a phone... You deserve to be slapped. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's not designed for that. No. Um, and so I definitely took that into account and gave it a two and a half. The subtitles. But, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Adam? I think I'm just going to go for a, th- a three for this one. Um, I watched it on a computer screen and didn't find the experience unpleasant, but as I say, it wasn't the first time I was seeing it. So I'm going to go a three as well. I enjoyed seeing it at the cinema. but You saw it as well. Yeah, um, but if you... if you, It's not going to be on at cinemas again. In the chance that it does come to a local cinema. Yeah, but you can see it like the Prince see. Charles, maybe, when yeah. they show all the films. But yeah, uh, nothing smaller than your laptop, please. So three. Yeah. I think that should be a general rule. Yes. Uh, I'm going to give it a two and a half, like yourself. I, mm-hmm. I'd love to see it in a cinema. And like you said, with, with, each, with each viewing, you take different things out of it. And for me, this time it was like how well the shots were played and how well things are lined up and now I appreciate the cinema craft before because I was watching The Waterboy thinking it was shit I used to watch something about Mary um, I never used to really appreciate the art of actually getting an image onto the screen and making it tie in with the film I think this is a masterstroke in doing that mm. Mm. Um, so I'd like to, it would be cool to see that on a bigger screen engagement score Chris I did think the, the third act the third act dragged a little bit slightly uh, I mean there's lots of smaller stories building up to it and then it sort of focuses on the, the, the kind of bigger picture for like the last half an hour or so, Rock, I guess. Rocket's kind of story tying it all mm. together, I guess. And I think I was slightly more interested in the, the pieces, like the individual. It reminded me of like when I watched Gangs of New York, there was a shot where you saw the different gangs mm-hmm. in some big place and they all seemed much more interesting than the main film, even though I like the film, but they you're like, oh, I wanted to hear about them, I wanted to hear about them. And there was a certain sense of that with some of this. But... You know, it's a great film that I just sat and watched without needing to pause to make a tea or anything. You know, I, was, I was thoroughly engaged the whole way through. Um, just I did think it just dipped slightly. like The energy slightly got away from the film in okay. the, the, the end. Um, so three and a half. Three and a half. Chris. Oh, sorry, Adam. <laughs> um, based, based purely on my faint memory of the first viewing, Yeah. I'm going to go 4.25. You're just like enveloped by it. I think there's a lot to keep you to uh, to keep your attention in this. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm going to go for a five. I I was as engaged, I think, probably as all of the other times. And 
don't be put off by I think it's two hours and fifteen minutes because um, it it does just kind of zooms by, doesn't it? Zips by. Um, yeah. No, I um I was captivated again by it. I'm gonna go four point seven. There, yeah, because I loved it again, and I was surprised at how much I loved it. And waiting forward, looking forward to a lot of the pieces that were coming that I knew were coming. But um, like yourself, Chris, I think when it comes to towards the end, it didn't have the energy that the start of it did. And I think towards the end, I was waning a bit, but still, still high in there. Um, well, it's like a whole world sort of packed with characters and stories. Yeah. And it is the kind of thing I think, as you mentioned, like the, what we mentioned the wire earlier, that's done slightly better on TV these days because it's got the time to do lots of characters and lots of stories. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I think that, that that kind of played against the film slightly. So this kind of ties in with a theme on your on your show where you, you what's it called, a TV? Oh, TV or not TV. Yeah. That is the question where we ask if the film would work as a TV show. Um, and do you think this would? Well, yeah, it's been I, done, hasn't it? Well, City of Men. Well, City of Men wasn't really, I think, yeah, it was, it's kind of, it was poor. But um, if they were to do City yeah, of Yeah, I think just you could, you could, adapt this this plot into like at least like a mini series because there's there's so much story there's so many characters mm. and i think people could get slightly more of their due if they were given a bit more time uh yeah so that gives us a an overall flicks watcher score of 3.73 pretty high pretty high uh let down mainly because the cinematography so good so we, the small screen <laughs> too score, good too, too good, damn good too good uh on the screen and because we have Adam here, we'd love to do a little white lies, a quick rundown. Can you give us uh, an overview of your LWL scoring system? I can, yeah. So we we have this unique uh, tripartite scoring system. Oh, hold on, tripartite. We need I to, don't really do know what that word means. Is that was but... Is that was is? <laughs> Tetrapartite. Yeah, I won't, I won't pretend to know what that word really means, but uh, yeah, it was, it was sort of devised to to sort of convey the different aspects of the movie going experience. Mm. So we have uh, an in well, we have a anticipation score to begin with, uh, an enjoyment score in the moment, and then an in retrospect score. So I kind of judge that as like being twenty four hours plus after you've seen the. You've seen it, and I think that's a really cool thing in retrospect because sometimes I leave a cinema and I have no idea what I feel about it. There's kind of a glow, whether it's positive or negative, and it takes some time to unpick the different the bits out of it. So I think that in retrospect is one I think is really cool. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and also we found recently that it kind of tends to mess up uh, certain online uh, aggregation websites Does because it? they don't know what to sort of do with it. So it's always fun. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're all um, out of five as well. So do you want to lead us in the LD Real scores for yourself for City of God? Yeah, I guess anticipation would be a, a strange one for this. So, I mean, trying to put myself where I was when I first saw it, I'd say maybe a three. Okay. Uh, as I say, not knowing the director or... or you know not being particularly a favorite with like brazilian cinema so three and then probably four and four for enjoyment and in, uh, in retrospect chris uh so i was really anticipating watching this again because i used to love the film so much i'm gonna give it a five on anticipation is engagement the next one yeah four because it's a solidly enjoyment enjoyment, enjoyment. no yeah, four it's a solidly <laughs> enjoyable film to watch there's so much to like about the film visually you know story characters and what was the final one sorry in retrospect, uh, I'll give it a four as well. In Hello. retrospect, so anticipation. Um, initially, I was a bit like, ah, and then I was like, oh, actually, I, I did really like this. So um, four, enjoyment. I gave either a, a five or a zero because 
some bits I really couldn't enjoy the bits that were horrible and really horrible <laughs> and then there was bits um like the bit where he accidentally smokes a girl's number I, I well, would give it a... wasn't accidentally it was just showing how much of a do you think it was I thought it was accidental yeah actually. accidentally yeah, yeah okay. you wouldn't because he was like hey, I've per... got some papers and just just so yeah. bits like that you are brilliant. showing how much of a lad he is. That's yeah. what I thought. I just thought he was kind of like... No, you... No. Especially not Rocket. He wasn't that kind of guy. He, was, no. he wasn't a lad. He was just... Uh, he wouldn't have realised. He would have put his hand in his pocket when he got home. Went, Where's the number? Okay. Oh, man, and then maybe, sh- maybe shed a tear. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, just the one. You know. He so I don't know. How do I... Because well, I didn't it? enjoy the horrible bits, obviously. Two, two and a half but, split but the I, difference. I enjoyed... But I enjoyed the whole thing as... What it is, but can, I, th- I feel oh, that I can't say I enjoy Adam. these the I horrible think, bits. I think the, the the word enjoyment can be, yeah, maybe a bit distracting from this because we found this quite recently discussing certain films on our podcast and when we did Mother when that came out. That's a few the ago. Truth and Movies which podcast, is, which is yeah. a very interesting <laughs> film, but it's not a film it's I describe as being enjoyable. Exactly, and yeah. that's that's one tough, of the films I was stuff. thinking about in terms of the in retrospect because during the time it's like fucking hell what the hell is this but then <laughs> after assault. then after coming out of it i'm like that's actually a, a fucking brilliant film how it's put together and i wouldn't enjoy it yeah we we tend to use the in retrospect score as like the final you know score if we have to give one so yeah. um yeah I, I would say just it's your, your kind of instinctive feeling or response in the moment go down the middle then 2.5 <laughs> and then in retrospect five um, so I um, I was really looking forward to watching this again. I haven't seen it for like the best part of a decade. Mm-hmm. So it is, uh, yeah, five for anticipation. Um, enjoyment, four and a half. Can you go 0.5 in there? Oh, we we don't, but four. you're more than welcome to. No, I'm going to stick to your system. Yeah, four for anticipation. And in retrospect. Um, Was that four for enjoyment as well? Yeah. Right. Four for enjoyment, sorry. Yeah. And I'd say four for uh, in retrospect. All fours? Yeah. No, five, five. Five, four, four. Five, four, four. I think we should caveat this by saying that all ranking systems are totally meaningless and arbitrary anyway. So yeah, more or less, yeah. Just M- for... Much like Netflix's thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> have they, have they, do they still do that? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Is it wrong that I watch this on DVD? Am I getting asked to leave? No, oh. it's fine. <laughs> so we reached out to our Twitter fans and asked for what they thought. Um, do you want to read the top one, Helen? Yeah, so this is... From John Lunny. This is John Lunny, past guest. Friend of the show, yeah. And um, his re- his uh, review is, it probably has to be five out of five for me, but now I've watched it so many times, I'm not sure I will ever watch it again. Yeah. But no uh, stars, John. Where's your stars? So at the end... Oh. Uh, well, it says five out of five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he says closer to ten out of five. Oh, no, that's how many times he's watched it, sorry. Yeah, Read- reading is not my, not my strong spot. Um, so then we have Cinematographer's Party. Um, Chris Radham, do you want to read their score? What they? Yeah, uh, they say definitely one of my favourite foreign films, maybe four stars, an important film nonetheless, which I guess it, it probably is for yeah. a lot of people. Absolutely. Chris, uh, next one, Sudden Double Deep, SDD Film, at SDD Film Podcast. I've listened to their show, actually. They're a very a good show, good yeah, show. Absolutely. I recommend. Uh, they said easily one of the best films we've covered on our show. Definitely one of the best films released in the 21st century. All the stars, all the ratings. Yeah, thank you very much. Dazzling review from them. Um, Then we have Kino Press. Absolutely five stars. Probably in my top five foreign language films. Arguably 
top 20 overall. Uh, I think certainly one of the top five foreign films, if that's a, a way to delineate films, which I think is a bit pointless because I think just films should be films. Um, top 20, probably not, but it's it's high. It's one I regard quite very highly. And Scheitgeist, another friend of the show. Helen, do you want to take Scheitgeist? Believe the hype. Five stars. Um, so these guys actually rated it a bit higher than we did overall. But, um, to be fair, I think I brought the ratings down, even though I love the film. So <laughs> people listening probably hate me. No, nah, they do. No, they'll, they'll come and find you. Can I criticise because I love. Can you let us know where they can find you to hate to, to give you all the hate to send all the hate mm. on Twitter? I'm at e r r podcast. Well, it's a good job we're going to link to that in the notes because yeah. that's you, dude. You know me. it. I don't know it. That's that's clear. <laughs> Click on the link and Adam. Uh, well, we're just at LW Lies. Truth Movies is the name of the podcast, but that doesn't have its own Twitter handle. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, guys, for coming on. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find all of the episodes on our website, flixwatcher.tv. Want to give us your five-star review? Follow us at flixwatcherpod on Twitter. Big shout out to our editor, Brendan Russell, for all his awesome editing skills. And thanks as always to the mighty people for their tunes. <laughs>